no ad reads this morning, which means we broke on the Red Pill Podcast. This is the way it goes, no ad reads. Um, I don't know why, but we don't have any ad reads this morning. Um, uh, it's actually good that we don't have any ad reads this morning because before we get into what we're talking about um, and who we're talking to today on the Red Pill Podcast, i like to say rest in peace to John Singleton. Um, John Singleton, you're going to hear a lot of things about him and his life and his work in the next couple of days. He passed away yesterday. As I'm recording this, it is Tuesday morning. John Singleton passed away Monday. Uh, but he's one of those guys whose influence is both quite obvious um, and also sort of beneath the surface. And the reason why I'll say that is when John Singleton came along, I think Boys in the Hood was 92 or 91, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there was a lot of black films uh, being made. They were being made. Uh, at the forefront of that was Spike Lee, who had already had major, major success and someone who I had talked about on this particular podcast. Spike's movies were um, incredibly in culturally enriching from uh, a lot of sort of, how can I put it, uh, older sort of um, Spike Lee represented a different generation. Let me put it that way. When you when you when you look at Spike's movies, there was a ton of jazz in the movie. Even though there was, uh, you know, Public Enemy, he had situations like that. Um, Spice movies gave a feel of black exceptionalism, and they always had that in them. And that was very, very important when you look back at films like, uh, um, you know, Melbourne Blues, you saw artists and doctors and musicians, and all of that was insanely important and still is important in terms of representation. Uh, and there was like a jazz feel to them. They always felt something like uh, a reaccessing of something. When John Singleton came along with Boys in the Hood, he put Ice Cube in the movie. And the, the, the side of filmmaking that he was showing was a gritty, real commentary on how people were living their actual lives all over the place. The stories were entrenched and ingrained in actual uh, experiences. And this is not to say the Spice movies weren't. This was to say that it was a leap forward in terms of the realism and the stories of African Americans and the socioeconomic systems that were in place upon them uh, at the current time, especially at a time in 92, um, in the early 90s where Rodney King was a thing, when the LA riots were a thing, where the, comp where the country uh, was sitting on top of, of a cultural powder keg. He was one guy right there to uh, really access that and be rewarded. And all over the place, we're talking about from uh, the academy, um, from his peers, from everyone. And from that, you saw a whole bunch of movies that started to tell the stories of how black people were living in underprivileged areas everywhere. And <clears throat> he was in a very important filmmaker in that right, and he sort of brought everything together. So uh, from that to Higher Learning, to Rosewood, to Baby Boy, to his production on Hustle and Flow, uh, to all of that stuff, I would just like to say, um, rest in peace to John Singleton. That's before we get into anything. Welcome to Van Lathan's The Red Pill, where we give you the brutal reality of truth. Today's guest, Coleon Noir. Coleon Noir is uh, the black NRA guy, is who he is. 
You guys might have seen these videos if you watch NRA TV. I don't know how much of our audience watches NRA TV, but if you do watch NRA TV, you would see Colleen Noir out there. He is someone who works uh, directly with the NRA to educate people um, on guns, uh, to talk about the Second Amendment. Uh, the questions that we talk about on the podcast today with Colleen are, how does the NRA uh, intersect with sort of what's going on in black communities everywhere and uh, with people of color everywhere, uh, with people that don't seem to be the NRA's target group. Are they, meaning the NRA, a friend to the black American? Now, he works with them, works for them. He is going to speak directly to us. We're going to talk about several different areas and issues where I believe that the NRA was uh, neglecting the black community, not really talking to them, not really defending them um, like they should have. They preach one thing to the larger uh, society. And then when it comes to another situation dealing with black people, I don't feel like the NRA always steps up. That's how I feel. The question is, how does Coleon feel? He's here. He answers all of the questions. He, he, he talks about it. Leave it up to the, uh, the the viewing audience of the Red Pill to decide whether or not you think the NRA is for you or against you. We're going to revisit the gun debate here on the Red Pill, wherever the Red Pill is, once a year. And the reason why is because it's very important that, one, black Americans are educated on their gun rights, um, and two, that they're educated on the gun rights that they can have because being armed as part of uh, your citizenry is very important. Look at what just happened with Bun B um, uh, last week. Man comes into his home. Bun B is forced to use his weapon. Uh, things like that do happen. One one other thing that has happened since we've had calling on on is a couple of more mass shootings. A couple of more mass shootings have happened. And as responsible gun owners, as responsible gun advocates, uh, we have to be willing to confront the reality that in a society and in a world where guns are more accessible um, and more freely used, that there could be a tie to the prevalence of that type of action. We win him talk about that, and he has all kinds of ideas. Uh, so pop some pills. Let's get into it. Coleon Noir uh, is with us today on the Red Pill. Uh, I want to talk about something real quick. Um, first of all, you guys have been telling me that the intros to, to the podcast are, are going too long. I hear you. And... <laughs> Yeah, they're really saying that. They're, they're saying that, like, people are saying, yo, dog, this is too long. I get you. I hear you. I'm not saying that it's not going too long. I'm going to try to be more. Listen, this is my only chance to really get my shit off. When I'm out there on TMZ, it's come to Van, say something quippy. Boom, and we out. But here I can talk as long as I want, so I've been going a little too far. I got you guys. I hear you. Um, I do want to talk about one story that I saw. Uh, a, a headline I saw on the grill. <clears throat> it says, black policeman says he was fired for being in an interracial uh, relationship uh, with a colleague. Now, um, this guy's name is Corone or Corone. Um, I'm going to go with Corone uh, Robinson. He's a cop down in Atlanta. He says he saw the true colors of the Darien Police Department um, and all of his dreams went out the door with the police department once he revealed to people in the police department that he was in an interracial relationship. 
Uh, he has said that he has filed suit against the city of Darien and its police department. He says that he was depressed. It was the lowest moment of his life. He ended up starting to have a relationship with a colleague of his. And once people knew about this relationship, he claims that he was shunned and ridiculed by the officers that he thought were his friends. Okay. So I read this article and I thought, oh, man, that's bad for this guy. You know, he's in a relationship and now he's getting uh, shunned and ridiculed. That's not freedom. That's not what we want. Then I go on to read uh, a little bit further. And it turns out um, he, he claims that he was on the, 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 the upward trajectory with the police department, right? He said he was the best thing since sliced bread is what he said. I haven't heard anyone use that fucking shit since my grandmother, the best thing since sliced bread. And his next day, he can't walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. He says that they change once they realize who he was dating. He says, though, in this article by the Grio, good reporting over there, he says, but Robinson says that there were signs that he overlooked. So there were signs that he overlooked that his police department might have been racist. Like a Nazi flag that hung inside of the Darien Police Department for years. According to Robinson, I totally blocked the flag out. It had been there for so long. Maji. You walk into work every day and there is a Nazi flag that is hanging in the police department and you overlook it. Then you are surprised when these guys have an issue with you dating interracially. Forget about your relationship. Do whatever it is that you want. Follow whatever is suit that you want. I happen to be a black dude that works with a bunch of white people. And the reality in that situation is that you don't always feel represented. You don't always feel like what's going on at your establishment echoes the sensitivities or the concerns of your community. You don't always feel included. That is part of the cross that you have to bear in being a black guy that works in a predominantly white um, situation, in a white environment, that's what happens. <clears throat> Extra added pressure is oftentimes you have to make sure that because you are so singular in, nation, in, in, in nature, shall I say, that you are appropriately representing your community to people that might have misgivings or misunderstandings about it. So not only are you doing your job, you're doing the job of really like 40 million people because you want to make sure that those people are represented correctly. It's something that's a labor of love, but it gets stressful for sometimes. Anyone that's in that situation knows it. So sometimes things slip through the cracks. Sometimes you, 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 you fail your people, you fail them. Sometimes your organization fails your people, and then by proxy, you fail them. That's a part of the accountability that you sign up for when you're in a situation like that. That's true. Having said all of that, you can't let them fly a Nazi flag in your fucking face. You just can't. You can't ever be that fucking cool. Ever. I say this with love, brother. 
I say this with love to anyone out there that's trying to be a spook who sat by the door. There are rules to that. There are rules to representation in a situation like that. And it's not for everyone, right? There are plenty of people that go, Van, I would never, ever, ever work at TMZ. I'm with you. I'm with that. I understand that. I completely get that. It would be beautiful to be in an environment where you're completely culturally supported, where you're completely cultural, culturally uplifted all the time. It's what you want and it's what I will eventually have. But for right now, I got to be here uh, and ride for the people that expect to see me on this show translating culture every single day. For this brother that's down in the police department, for these people that are for, for people that are on their jobs everywhere, where they're surrounded by people who don't look like them, it's one thing to have a conversation, it's another thing to be disrespected. Obviously, these people are not going to be okay with you dating a white woman, but do you know that's far down on the list of things they're not gonna be okay with you doing? And the reason why you should know that is because they flew or hung a fucking Nazi flag in front of your face. They didn't even have the decency to hide the flag and then fly when you're not around. Hey, Corona's not around. Bring out the Nazi flag. Let's look at it. Let's have a good time. Drink some beers. Throw some Heil Hitlers. No, they flew the flag in your face because not only are they disrespecting you, they think you're a weakling. So they don't even stand up straight when you're around. They don't even have the respect to, the, for you uh, not to outwardly insult you and your ancestors. This is not to say that this brother doesn't have a case. He obviously does. But what I'm saying is there's a way to victimize yourself in a situation like this. And sometimes you victimize yourself with what you will allow people to do. Lines you will allow them to cross. Places you will allow them to go. To anyone that's in the minority, wherever they are. I know it's tough. I know it can be thankless. And I know sometimes it feels like you're dealing with a lot of things that you shouldn't be. But don't let them kick you in your nuts. Ever. And when I say nuts, I mean like it's like a, you know, proverbial nuts. This is to the sisters too. I mean, don't let them take something. You know, I don't want to be just to one sex, but don't let them take advantage of you. Don't let them take something from you. When you walk into a space, when you're the, when you're the minority, don't let them take from you. You give to them and you give them whatever they're asking for. If they're asking for some smoke, give them that. If they're asking for some conversation, give them that. If they're asking for even a little bit of understanding, sometimes give them that. But don't overdose on that. Don't explain yourself too, too much. But whatever you do, don't let anyone fly a Nazi flag in your fucking face and overlook it. If they own it, call it out. Some things you'll be able to control some things you won't. Obviously, there are things here that I am in vehement disagreement with. And I can voice it on a television show. I can voice it on this podcast. 
I think that TMZ had a hand in getting Donald Trump elected. I've said that out there, said that here. Sometimes difficult to walk into a place like that, without a doubt. Open book. But the reality is when you hear me open my mouth, whether it be on this platform, on that platform, or anywhere that I am, you're going to hear someone who loves his people, who advocates for his people, and who is an advocate and an ally for all marginalized and oppressed people everywhere. Everywhere. And what you're never going to do, ever, is hang a fucking Nazi flag in my face. Now, I wasn't in his brother's shoes. With love and respect, I talked to him. He might have been in a situation where he's a police officer. He's trying to figure out the best way to go about it. And now he might have had the awakening of how these people truly feel about him. Um, and he's looking at his life in a different way. Hope that he's empowered. Hope that he's safe. Hope that he uh, gets everything that he wants. The bigger message is to everyone out here that's in a space like he was, in a space like I am, in a space anywhere, set standards, set boundaries, set limits, set goals and expectations. Not just for yourself, but for the people that work around you. And I promise you, they will respect you more for that than anything you bring to the table professionally. All right, let's pop some pills, get into Colleen Noir. I saw you, things got a little hairy, you say. Bro. So we were uh, we were over there by the Jordan Downs, mm -hmm. and uh, we were getting I was with the crew getting some B roll. Okay, and so we were just kind of like doing the doing mm -hmm. the thing, and uh, <laughs> all of a sudden I heard you know I heard pop pop, and I was like okay yeah you know yeah. where we are considering, yeah. and yeah. then it was like pop pop. I'm like okay yeah, yeah. still going pop 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 pop. Oh yeah, let's time let's go. Yeah yeah it's yeah. Time to go. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting story is like I was um. I was going through a, a drive-thru. I live downtown now. I was going through the drive-thru uh -huh. at the Jack in the Box right off the 10 freeway. And I'm in the drive-thru at the Jack in the Box, and I hear, pop, 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 <laughs> And I'm like, all right, cool. One time, yeah. they pop, they go, it's fine. And then I hear, pop, pop. And then I hear, pop, 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 pop. And I'm like, <laughs> am I listening to a shootout? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's like it's, if if somebody got their shit off or shooting in the <laughs> yeah. air, one thing. It's one thing. And and then and then I turn around because I was all it was already mad late. Yeah. And so I I like we were mad late. And so I turn around to look at the person in the drive-through to see if they're calm or not. And then I don't see anybody in the drive-through <laughs> because they're on the fucking ground. And and it's caught. You know. And by the way, I know that Jack in the Box and rest of the fast food places do this to keep people in line so they don't get out of line so you have to order. Because back in the day, there was no thing that little, little box barrier, you yeah, yeah. yeah, You could just, <laughs> once you was getting your, if you, if you said, if you got there, I was like, so fuck it, I'm done. Do yeah. I, you could get out of line. Yeah. Can't do that anymore, nope. right? There's cars in front of me, car behind me. You can get somebody killed, Jack in the Box. I used, I used to do this, I used to do when I lived in Houston. I used mm -hmm. to do this shit all the time. Um, I always made sure, because you know the rule is, you, you want to pull, Behind the car, yeah, but you still want to be able to see the rear tires. You can see the rear tires, it means you can turn and leave. Zip, right? Yeah. I saw always. I would have my car already. I always kept it in drive. Never put it in park. Right. Especially when I was going there late at night. Yeah. So that I can turn out. Shoot, Get this the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I ain't have my thing with me. So if it if it if it gets crazy in the jack in the box, I'm fucked. <laughs> and so and, and they stop shooting, and I'm like, I get to the window, and I'm thinking, you know, what? I really. The shot of adrenaline, I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> but just give me this and I'll look at it. White people in the room, give it up for calling on the wall. <laughs>
Now, yeah. we're gonna get this started. Yeah. You're gonna be something of a controversial guest on the Red Pill Podcast, okay. as was Maj Toure. Shout out to Maj, Black Guns Matter. Um, but even more so with you, and I think that people that are listening to the podcast might be surprised that I'm talking to you, I'm surprised that I'm having you on. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's Which I think is an indication of the problem we have in this country today, but nonetheless. That's fine. Yeah, I, I understand what you're yeah. saying. Um, first of all, tell me a little bit, for people who don't know, mm -hmm. about you, what it is that you do, what the mission gotcha. uh, of, of, of what you're trying to get across out there in, in, in the, the, the society, if you will. Is. Gotcha. I am a Second Amendment 2A rights advocate. Mm -hmm. I advocate for the Second Amendment in, in all respects. Right. Um, so I'm pro-gun. Right, pro-gun. Right? Yeah, um, I work with the NRA in mm -hmm. doing so. Mm -hmm. um, I, I utilize their platform. I have a show on their platform called Noir, mm -hmm. where I travel around the country and um, talk about the issue uh, from various different perspectives. Mm -hmm. um, I speak with different people. Like I just told you today, uh, I was just with, uh, I did an interview with uh, Freeway Rick Ross. Yeah. Um, I've been all through, I was in Compton, I was in uh, the Jordan Downs area, just talking to various people sure. in different cities. Um, and I've been doing this for about 12 years. How did you come to work with the NRA? Uh, they reached out to me some odd years ago. I started off on YouTube. Okay, so you were doing your yeah. thing independently. Uh -huh. Uh, sort of yes. educating people about, people yeah, about their yeah. two-way rights and mm -hmm. the, the two-way community, and then you you linked up with them. Yeah, so because a lot of people think, you know, they just kind of rode around in a car and looked for a black guy, put a hat on. That's what they think. Yeah. They think that they just picked a nigga out of somewhere. Nah. It's like, you're going to be our guy. <laughs> nah. Mm -hmm. I, um, first time I ever shot a gun was around 24, 25. Wow. Yeah, very first time. Uh, up until that Completely point. different than my experience. Exactly. Yeah, like I told you, I think we spoke on the phone, I mm -hmm. told you the, the first time, I can't remember the first time I actually shot a gun. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, I really don't remember. The first time I got a gun, owned a gun, was I was seven years old. So yeah, totally, so totally different perspectives, yeah. right? Um, for me, I grew up, I was raised by a single mother, single parent mother. I had a relationship with my dad, but you know, he was largely kind of there, not there. Sure. Um, where are you from, by the way? I'm Houston, Texas. Okay, where you just uh, said that before, I think, with the, yeah. With, yeah, Houston. So I was in the, I, I, three areas, Galleria areas, uh, A-Leaf and Sugar Land. Hey, exactly. I know them spots, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's my, Houston's my stomping grounds. My, that's my home. That's where my heart is. Okay. Um, I live in Dallas now, though. Okay. Yeah, and so I've been there for about four or five years. Uh -huh. um, and so I had a good friend of mine who I grew up with, and he, one day randomly he was just like, hey, you want to go to the gun range? Mm -hmm. And up until that point, I, I wasn't full-blown anti-gun. I just really wasn't about guns. I just I was kind of, eh, just keep that over there. Yeah. I'm not really, you know, I'm not really want to have anything to do with that. Sure. Um, so we went to the range, and I remember getting out, and I'm like, man, what the hell am I doing? Mm -hmm. um, I was a little nervous, I'll be real. Mm -hmm. um, we get to the range, I'm hearing pop, 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 pop. I'm like, damn. Like, I'm in a place, I'm in a building right now surrounded with people with guns. Mm. At any given point, they can turn around and use that gun to shoot me. That's all I kept thinking. Mm -hmm. I was like, on what planet does this make any sense? Mm. I just, I, for me, it was just totally different outside of my lane. I remember getting in there, we get to the lane. It was the furthest lane to the left. I remember like it was yesterday. Furthest lane to the left, he had a, a Taurus PT-11 Millennial, something like that. I always forget the name. <laughs> it was in a 40 cal, mm -hmm. right? Subcompact gun too, yeah, so sure. you already know if right. you know anything about guns, it's yeah, not yeah. about to be the best experience. In right, the world. right, right, right. Um, it's not ideal. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I remember he showed me what to do. I remember picking up the gun, loading it, pointing the gun out, pulling the trigger, and, bah! and I was like terrified, mm. terrified. And then I kind of calmed down a little bit, picked it back up, shot it again. It was a wrap. 
I was, I, was I saw that rabbit and I went all the way down the hole. Man. I was dead. It was a rabbit. I bought three guns that month. I don't even know where the money came from. <laughs> I remember the first time I shot a gun, um, and for my liberal friends, and I'm super, mm. super liberal, please cover your ears right now because you're about to hear me wax poetic about guns. But the first time I shot a gun, I, 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 or around a gun being shot, because I don't remember the first time I shot a gun, like mm-hmm. I said, but I do remember this. I remember at some point in my life, my father shooting his shotgun, ejecting the empty shell, mm-hmm. and then picking it up and going, smell this. And you, 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 like you, you smell. Man, they never got the wrong guy. They should have got you. <laughs> <laughs> like you, like you, you smell. Like as a kid, like you smell the powder and everything that was that was just in the the um the shell. And it's like, and my dad's like, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. And then every time after that, like if you're rabbit hunting and you shoot, you get that little smell. No, yeah. And it's like for me, that's just like fresh baked cookies. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. It's, it's just it's, like it's, for me, it's a it's a it's a it's something that I associate with my youth. Mm-hmm. And this is the way, you know, my, me and my father played baseball together. We played uh football together. He hated basketball. But um <laughs> but shooting and being outdoorsman mm-hmm. and um and so being out in the woods with firearms is just a way that guys in my family would bond. Yeah. And um, sometimes that's a little bit difficult to jive with my politics now. You know what I mean? <laughs> to that end, you start working with the NRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start making guns. You start working with the NRA. Uh, we're going to talk about on this podcast how we can get to what I call the third option, which is educating black Americans about the realities of gun ownership and gun laws without engaging in a political back and forth. Mm-hmm. But the NRA is a political organization. Um, Do you agree or disagree with that? Yes and no. Okay. Um, I think what, what you get from a, a rhetoric standpoint, a lot, it's going to come across largely conservative because mm-hmm. it's like, if you're conservative, chances are 99% of the time you're going to be pro-gun. Sure. If you're a liberal, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you're largely going to hear a lot of talking talking points that are going to come across very conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then largely due to the fact also that you're talking about a constitutional right. Right. You know? And so if you're inherently constitutional, so to speak, um, you're going to come off more conservative. So from a political ideology perspective, it, yeah, it's going to seem like they're pretty white right wing. Mm-hmm. Um, However, I've never heard of them rejecting or not allowing anyone who had more liberal views or anything of this sort. There are Democrats that they support because those Democrats are very pro-gun as well. Hmm. Um, But by and large, what you hear or what you see is you're going to have more conservatives that are outwardly speaking Mm pro-gun than you do liberals who are pro-gun. Why do you think that black Americans in particular, and I haven't polled them, this is completely... um, Evidenced mm. by the people that I'm around and yeah. the people that the, the the black liberal black Americans. Why do you think their their uh, per, per perception of the NRA is so negative? Um, largely, I think it, it's it's a combination of things. One, you have the I always try to find another way in alternative ways to say versus liberal, the left, and all that stuff. Largely, yeah. just because it it now it, it has such a different connotation. Yeah. But you have people who are anti-gun. 
mm-hmm. who will, by any means necessary, uh, try to vilify the idea of firearm ownership. Mm-hmm. And when the largest organization in the world standing in your way for gun control utopia is an organization like the NRA, mm-hmm. you're going to go to any length to color that organization as negatively as possible. All right. At the same time, there are some historical elements which could be utilized deep, deep in the past, back when pretty much everyone was racist, mm-hmm. um, that you can turn around and say, well, the NRA didn't want to support black gun rights then, mm-hmm. so what makes you think I want to support them now? Right. And I'm like, well, at the same time, you're telling, you don't support gun rights at all, so right. <laughs> you can't use that argument and then use that to justify why you don't support them at all. Mm-hmm. But I think what has happened is that's how it's been colored, and because the media is largely slants left, Mm-hmm. And because a lot of people who slant left tend to be anti-gun as well, mm-hmm. that's that's the message that's been put out there, is mm-hmm. that the NRA is a race organization, they don't really want black people to have guns. And, and you can create that perspective, you create that visual. If I'm a black person and I don't know much, not that I'm stupid, not mm-hmm. that I'm dumb, I just don't, I don't have very much in the way of information or experience with the NRA. Mm-hmm. I'm, and everything I do have is by way of what I've seen in the media. Mm-hmm then I'm going to assume they're racist Mm -hmm. and that they don't want black people to own firearms. And then that's because that's the only perspective I'm going to have. It's no different than you have a white guy who grows up in middle America and he doesn't encounter any black people throughout his regular day. Mm -hmm. And the only thing he he knows and sees about black people, what he sees in the media. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in the media right now, we have this this very hyper masculine, you know, Mm -hmm. not necessarily a positive one. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the perspective he's going to have about black people that he does happen to encounter in a one-off chance that he does in his life. Hmm. So uh, it's the same dynamic. Hmm. And so because there isn't much in the way of information out there to counter that message. Um, Why won't the NRA counter that message? You know, I can't speak for the organization as a whole. Right? So do, do you think, and it, it, do you think, because here's, so Candace Owen, mm-hmm. Candace Owen, very intelligent woman. Um, I'm sure you know her. I've never actually really met her. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've never met her, but I'm aware of her. So Candace Owen uh, talks about a Blexit, talks about a black, uh, a, 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 an exodus from the left, which she believes is controlling and holding black people back into the right. But the pro- my problem with it is I don't feel like a lot of people on the right, besides the black faces with Candace Owens, mm-hmm. are doing the groundwork to attract black voters, right? They're not doing the work that they would have to do to overcome some of the negativities and really show black Americans that have been left leaning, what would be the incentive Mm -hmm. to vote left? I would say to the NRA- You mean to to, to vote right? Excuse me, to vote right. I would say to the NRA is, if there's a negative perception about the NRA from black Americans, what type of outreach is the organization doing to change that? Mm And there have been a couple of high-profile instances. I know that you've been sort of very vocal about Philando Castile, but even um, Emantic Branford, remember mm-hmm. the, the, the gentleman in, in who was the good guy with a gun, mm-hmm. right, and then was killed while he was trying to protect people, uh, trying to stop a crime, this, this, this guy right here. Mm-hmm. That, to me, this brother lost his life, and I am sick about it, right? Mm-hmm. But in a situation like that, that's a tailor-made opportunity i'm not saying that this brother's death was an opportunity but it's a tailor-made opportunity for the nra to show people just how much they care about black americans because here's the good guy with a gun that you want he's black and i didn't really hear too much coming from the nra regarding that situation okay so take this particular situation i got 
I got a lot of people hitting me up when it first came out, when the details of the case first came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were hitting me up on Twitter all day long. Why aren't you talking about this? Why aren't you saying Word. this? I get you. I have a noted history of waiting. Mm-hmm. And the reason I do is because, because with my platform and the implications of the things that I say, they, they're a big deal, right? And so I wait. I saw it. I was like, Oof, this don't look good. Mm-hmm. And I waited. And I had people coming at me saying, why aren't you saying anything? Why aren't you saying anything? And, I, and, and most of what I said was, look, it doesn't look good, but I'm still going to wait for more information to figure out what's going on, mm-hmm. right? And, and to figure out what actually happened. And part of that, too, is there's a certain insecurity that I have in jumping on certain things because I've done it in the past only to have to tuck tail and run and then apologize because I thought a situation was what it was initially and then turn to find, come to find out I was completely wrong. Mm. Um, for instance, like the Mercer Alexander case, mm. right? Yeah. The moment I heard about that, I jumped on it mm-hmm. like a rabid dog. Right. And, I, and then I had to, had to take some of that back largely because when some of the court documents came out and, we, and I got more information about the facts of that particular case, she was not justified in her actions. Mm. She wasn't. Mm. Um, legally, she wasn't justified. And so I had to issue out basically saying, look, oh, he was wrong about this. Mm-hmm. And so that taught me a valuable lesson in that I cannot lead with my emotions first. I just can't. Right. Maybe someone can if they're sitting at home watching it on their television. They can do that. They have that ability to do that. I don't have that privilege now. Mm-hmm. I'm a public figure. Right. And as a result of that, people look to what I say and then utilize what I say to make certain decisions and perspectives. Right. And so I take that seriously. So when you have a case like this and we hadn't seen any of the video footage yet, and I look at that and I say, huh, that does not look good. So I wait. Mm-hmm. Now, that's me on my level. Now, imagine that for an organization as big as the NRA. Right. Right? So, of course, they're going to wait. Mm-hmm. However, this particular case here, it's not as clear cut as you, at least to me it isn't, mm-hmm. as you may see it. What, what, what's not clear cut? So, when I watched that video and I watched the way it went down, mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, it's not that clear because, as you can see, if you take into the perspective of the cop showing up on the scene mm-hmm. and then... Coming up, seeing him with the firearm after someone just got shot, just watched the body drop, and they got an active call, and they got an active shooter call. Mm-hmm. On top of that, factor in the context in which we live in now, where um, there's this perception that we just have mass shootings every other day, mm-hmm. right? And then you have the sensitivities that some cops now have to, and this this is told to me by cops that I know. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're aware of that. Anything they do wrong now is going to be highly scrutinized. Mm-hmm. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, that's left to be decided. So, with that being said. As you look at the situation here, it's it's unfortunate, mm-hmm. but I can't say that these cops came in there and saw a black guy and just automatically because he was a black guy with a gun that he was a shooter. Okay. The, the, the context of the situation made it look that way. Okay. Fair enough. I, I think that two things are, are uh, I, I take issue with two things about this particular video. Oh, One. Real quick. Not, okay. The only reason I'm going to stop you is because I, I, I went the long route. I don't want anybody saying, oh, well, he avoided the question by talking for 10 minutes because no, uh, you asked me about the NRA. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so... I'm speculating here. Mm-hmm. From that, from their perspective, they're looking at the situation like, since it's not that clear cut, there's no reason to wade into the discussion and then risk basically polarizing what is essentially a very diverse group of people within their organization. Because other than that, all they're really searching for is, um, is kudo points at that point. Because you gotta remember, you have an organization that has a board that's comprised of many different peoples from all backgrounds, from different races. So everyone's not gonna agree. I'm pretty sure there's some people on the board who thought that was clear cut. Yeah. 
And then there's going to be people on the board who was like, eh, I don't know, mm-hmm. right? But I think people had this kind of Illuminati-esque idea of the NRA in that it's run by one, one person only, and that one person makes all the decisions, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the case at all. Right. And so, I, so me speculating as to why they didn't wade into the waters immediately or even now up until this point, that's, that's what I'm going to speculate on. Okay. That, that's all fair. I, what I would say to that is when you're dealing with an organization that has preached uh, – um, an antidote to mass shooters or an mm-hmm. antidote to these types of violent incidents, mm-hmm. which is a good guy with a gun. Absolutely. They've preached that as being the solution. Mm-hmm. They've preached that as being how, like, if we arm more people, if more people are armed and aware of their, their Second Amendment rights, mm-hmm. then we can actually cut down on situations because there'll be a guy there with a gun to shoot that guy, right? Yes. Okay. Very simplified mm-hmm. way of, of, of saying that. Yeah. Then it happens that way, seemingly happens that way, and then that guy is murdered, and then I think there was actually another situation in Chicago or in some place earlier, look this up for me, where there was a brother who was outside of a joint who was a security guard yes, there I heard about that who, was, who was also yeah. murdered. I think in situations like that, um, for me, number one, forget about the race of this guy. Mm-hmm. This goes against the notion that it's safe to be a good guy with a gun. I disagree. How could you disagree? He pulled out his gun to stop a crime and he was killed. Yes. And that's anecdotal, right? Mm -hmm. So on its face, that's very anecdotal because I can bring up a number of other situations where a good guy with a gun brought out a gun and actually stopped a crime. Black men? Black men, white men, you name it. Okay. Um, So that being said, no one said it's going to be perfect. Right. right? And that's the same argument the other other side makes in terms of anti-gun. Sure. You know, they say, well, the law is not going to be perfect, but we should do it if it's a one life, right? Mm -hmm. However... One of the issues I have with the conversation about firearms is because we, we spend so much time and it actually speaks to what you talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Sure. This idea of like politicizing everything because mm-hmm. then we never get down to the nitty gritty of understanding uh, how we live in this world with a Second Amendment right mm-hmm. to, the, to the best of our abilities. The concept of being a good guy with a firearm, at least in the gun world, right, so to speak, that conversation about what to do if you find yourself in a public environment mm. and you have to pull your gun is a conversation that is had at nauseam. Right. Because we understand the sensitivities and, and intricacies involved in being able to identify yourself as the good guy, making sure that they understand your guy, what to do to demonstrate and show I'm not the threat here, someone else is. Right. So there's right. what you're saying is that there's education that needs to be had on what it actually means to be a good guy with a gun that we're not discussing the, because we're discussing about whether or not we need good guys. The with discussions are happening they're just happening not on the mainstream level okay where right? are they happening they're happening online okay because that's that's for me even my, me and a good friend of mine who mm-hmm. literally had the same thought process mm-hmm. when we first heard the hearse for the details of the case because mm-hmm. i i'm not gonna lie to you when i first heard it me personally i was like yeah that doesn't look like a good shoot right and i hadn't seen the video yet right, right. That's, so real quick if that was if that if that was in fact not this one the other one if yeah. that was in fact a bad shoot first of all do you have enough information now to determine that that the cops killed somebody that was trying to help what in in that in, in, case in uh, in, in, in in Alabama yes okay. so so then what? why so then if that if if there's enough information now mm-hmm. and no I, no there's enough information for me to make a, a conclusion a conclusion my own personal conclusion about what I think happened what what would it take for the NRA mm-hmm. to make I'm, I'm not, I'm not asking you to speak for the NRA. The only yeah. reason why we're talking about this is because I work for TMZ, and I want to let you guys know something real quick. Let me step back real quick. I work for TMZ. So for me to sit here and act like the TMZ is, for me to get on this podcast with the NRA dude and, 
and, like, <laughs> and flog him because of his uh, affiliation, like, affiliation mm -hmm. with the NRA would be very hypocritical. However, it's important to address some of the concerns that black people might have Absolutely. with the NRA yeah. before we start getting mm -hmm. into it. So this is not a to get on here and, and beat down on. I know y'all already did that with the Killer Mike situation anyway. Um, but Which it, I thought it, was unfair as hell, but nonetheless. It was unfair. We'll get to that too. <laughs> but it's, it's, to, it's to make sure that you know that these things that people, when people have problems with TMZ and some of, some of the coverage that mm -hmm. we have of, of, of African Americans here, they're not making them up. Yeah. They're not, they're, they have reasons to feel this way. And so when people have issues with the NRA, they will point to cases like this as, as areas where they feel like the organization for whatever reason, hasn't leaned into things that black Americans care about. They and, have. Okay. So How have they? So from this perspective, and this is kind of one of the things that, I, it, that I've had a number of conversations about, mm -hmm. right? So let's take into account the idea that they didn't jump into this situation because he was black. Mm -hmm. Let's say that's the premise. Or maybe, maybe not because they have their races, but because they know that a significant part of their base is pro-law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And so being that they're pro-law enforcement, mm -hmm. a situation like this that, is, that might seem racial, that cuts against the police, the NRA can't afford to kind of lose that. So in your statement in and of itself assumes that if we were to say that that was a bad shoot, that's bad on the cops, right? Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the issue there. Because that shoot that I saw, it wasn't that the cops did something inherently wrong. I didn't see them do anything egregiously wrong. Mm -hmm. they, they, they walked into a situation that was chaotic. Right. And then from there, they took all the information that they had and they made a decision, right. right? I didn't see that as something so egregious as to vilify the cops. Doesn't matter if it's egregious, it was wrong. I see, I can't say that. It, the man died and he I, wasn't the assailant. But so because by something, definition is wrong. But because on. something is unfortunate, doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It was wrong. It was wrong factually no. from the standpoint that because it's wrong doesn't mean that it's evil, but it's definitely wrong. No, so no. because it because it's wrong doesn't mm -hmm. mean that they did it because they were racist, but they were certainly wrong. See, unfortunate, and then saying it's wrong, you're assuming a level of, of malice within you, whenever you say wrong, right? No, I'm just considering not right. Yeah. Well, hold on. Don't lawyer me. No, this no, guy is no, good. no. Hold on. Like, 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 By the way, Coleon is an attorney. Like, like he's an he's an attorney. He, he, he comes malice. Why he's gonna? It's gonna be a no, habeas no, no, no. corpus is coming no. out pretty soon. Like, oh, like I'm, I'm telling you, Coleon is a, he's an attorney. No, here's what I'm getting at though. Right. We got to make the distinction. They were wrong factually. Yes. Sure. Wrong. Yes. Yeah. They thought he was the person who was who committed the crime. They were wrong. Right. Right. My, right. They were wrong. Yes, but we can't act like there was a duality of meaning when we say wrong sometimes. So let's say, for instance, I come home, right, mm -hmm. and I, I see you in my house, and you just, all you did was go into a house mistakenly that you thought was yours, right? And then I see you, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing in my house? And I punch you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what I did was wrong from the standpoint that you weren't actually an intruder. Mm -hmm. You were somebody who made a mistake. Yeah. I, I, I assessed the situation incorrectly, which was wrong. What, However, I wasn't wrong to hit you because you are in my house. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> what if I'm in my house? Mm -hmm. Let's say because your, your analogy assumes a mistake by the person in the beginning. In this video, this man made no mistake. He was doing the right thing. So the question is, wait, 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 if I'm in my house, and you walk into my house mm -hmm. and you think that it's your house mm -hmm. and then you and we've seen this as well right yeah, in, in, in dallas, in dallas. Yeah. And, and, and you think that it's your house mm -hmm. i am right you are all the way wrong even if you even if you were legitimately mistaken mm -hmm. if i suffer any bodily harm from being in my own home there's no way to describe you other than wrong 
maybe not evil, mm -hmm. but you're definitely wrong. Okay, if we're if we're willing to take out the notion of wrong, also meaning evil, fine. Hey, I'll give you that. Sure. They were wrong in their assessment of how they handled this situation. Right. I'll, I'll give you that because mm -hmm. the guy was not the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So in, the case, so in the case of the cops got it yeah. wrong, all I would say, and we're going to move on. All, mm -hmm. In case of the cops got it wrong, all I would say is, listen, when you're having your conversations with your NRA guys, you're sitting around planning the domination of the world and stuff like that. See, they go with that Illuminati <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously. Because I'm not going to act like I fuck with the NRA. Yeah. But I, I'm not going to act like because you're a member of the NRA that I can't sit down and have a substantive conversation to you about where guns fit in in America, mm -hmm. okay? Absolutely. And also, I'm going to be real with you, dude. You black. And so there's a certain mm -hmm. cultural trust that I'm going to always attempt to have with you mm -hmm. speaking on these issues because of that. Yeah. And my cultural trust for black people is not based on politics. It's based on you, you, you literally, you're literally from 400 miles uh, east of where I grew up, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna at least make the attempt to sit down with you and try to understand what it is that you're doing before I come in here and be like, "Yo, this is a plus." Killer Mike told me you were cool, so we did. <laughs> um, so all I would say all, all all I would say is, if the NRA or any of these people, you know, mm -hmm. would do a little bit more, maybe to reach out, or maybe maybe they are. What are they doing? Okay, that's so what the, you're gonna say. Yeah, so. There's always going to be a balancing act, right, mm -hmm. of reaching out and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pandering? Just pandering, right? Mm -hmm. So, for instance, they didn't speak out on that. Mm -hmm. But when a woman from Pennsylvania I remember this. drove into New Jersey, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. and got arrested for having a farm, and, and here's the irony. She was wrong. Mm -hmm. She was breaking the law. Yeah. Um, the NRA stood up and fought for her. Mm -hmm. Right. I made a video about it. They talked about it at nauseum. They highlighted it. And to the point and to the degree where she got, you know, she was she's fine now. Mm -hmm. um, so when things like that happen, why I, I'm, I'm and as they try to kind of create a balance of reaching out and not pandering, I also have to create a balance of. One, understanding that I am black and that there are some elements within this issue mm. that have not been addressed that need to be addressed with respect to black people, but then also not look like I'm caping mm -hmm. for the sake of just caping. For black people? Yes. You feel like you can't cape for black people? No, caping for the NRA. Okay, because I, yeah. I got my fucking black yeah. people caping. <laughs> but, but, mm -hmm. but it's at the end of the day, it's kind of like the most prominent visual faces of the NRA are who? It's going to be the leadership, which would be Wayne LaPierre. It'd be, Charlton Heston. Uh, well, he's dead. I know. Yeah. Shout out to Moses, man. <laughs> Moses went crazy shout at out, the end. Shout out anyway, to Moses. Uh, <laughs> um, Dana Lash and me. Which, right? those other people definitely have negative connotations. The, the Dana lady, I can't fucking stand her. I'm sorry. And, that's, and, and, and I love Dana, right? Yeah. I know Dana personally. Yeah. So that's, and, I, and I knew Dana before uh, I kind of really started doing what I was doing with the NRA. Right. So, but then again, I can't, you don't know her, so I mean, I'm... You don't think y'all look like, like, for example, you say not pandering. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like you pander to some of the people on the right when, like, you trash the Parkland kids and stuff like that? I didn't trash Parkland kids. You kind of did. Nah, bro. I didn't. That's the problem. People miss, look. And I, I, I remember having conversations with someone. Oh, he rolling his sleeves up. Yeah. Now we about to bring the Houston out of this nigga. Let's go. I didn't trash the Parkland kids, nigga. I don't even know no Kiana. Like, you know what I'm saying? Who like, fucked Kiana? Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't even know no Kiana. You uh, don't feel like you trashed the Parkland no, kids. No, I didn't. What I did was... I stated facts. 
And people, the problem is, and, and that's With the zero thing, sensitivity. The, no, I didn't lack sensitivity. The sen- people assume I lack sensitivity by the, by the mere people, fact that I, I address them. Tell people what did you say? Uh, I basically said, well, the one thing that was complete, taken completely out of context was I said, I wish no one ever knew your names because if they didn't, that would mean that this never happened, mm-hmm. right? Or someone was in a position to stop it. Right. That's, and, and they took that and ran with it. And they stopped just short of me saying, because that would mean this never happened. Yeah, so go to, go to the headline real quick so you can see it. It says, NRA host says, no one would know your names if classmates were still alive. Right. Yeah. That's called cooking the headline. Exactly. Right. And I'm on, no, I'm, I, I have run a blog, mm-hmm. I have YouTube, <laughs> right, I got so Twitter. You know. I know how to cook right, a headline. Right, right, <laughs> you know right, 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 um, right. So it was like, and so and the, and the, the crazy thing is, if you actually read the article, mm-hmm. they give you the full context. Mm-hmm. However, they understand most people are going to get, can you go to, scroll to the top of that if you don't mind? All right, now scroll back down. Sorry, my bad. Mm-hmm. Most people are gonna read the first maybe two paragraphs. Yeah. And I know this because my own audience does it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can post an Instagram, I can post an Instagram post, have 50% of the article in the caption. And I even feel bad about doing that because that kind of rips the, uh, the, the clicks for whatever site that I'm posting about, mm-hmm. right? And then I get questions that are blatantly answered in the first sentence. Mm. And these are people who are on my side of the issue. Mm. So imagine what this does sure. for people who are on the opposite side of my issue and look at me as a monster already because of what I do and then they see that headline, they're not even gonna read the first sentence. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gonna do exactly what they did and man, they came after me with pitchforks. Of course, oh, it look, because it, look, it looks like a bunch of kids who have just got watched their classmates get slaughtered and who are trying to take steps towards, let's say that they're, I don't have any, we'll talk about gun control, we're gonna talk yeah. about gun control and say, why, why not, when, when talking about the Parkland kids or anybody who, or any even one from Vegas or anyone that's been a part of one of these horrific situations, uh, why not approach them like human beings? And I'm not saying that you didn't, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying that sometimes, why, why try to shout down a bunch of teenagers that are trying to, they're doing their best to trying to make sense of a world that just got flung on top of them in a chaotic way? Because when those attempts were made, that we, I got shut out. Did you make those attempts or did you feel like the NRA made those attempts? Well, they've been making those attempts since day one, honestly. I've been making those attempts. One of the, uh, what's her name? Sh- uh, Shannon Watts, mm-hmm. right? She's the leader of uh, Mother's Demand Action. Right. I troll Shannon Watts like crazy. Now I do. Because when I made attempts to have an actual generalized conversation, a real conversation, you know what she did? What she would do, I would respond and anybody who would who would basically back me up and say, yeah, why don't you talk to him about this and this and that? She would block them. Mm-hmm. And she would continue, continue to block those people mm-hmm. to the point where when I would respond to her, people would tell me, can you screenshot it because we can't see the conversation because she's blocked all of us. Mm-hmm. And the reason she does that is because she wants to create an echo chamber. It is not about having the conversation with her. It is about pushing the agenda. Mm-hmm. I'm with, for Christ's sakes, I'm here. I'm here talking to you. Yeah. Right. I went on Joe Rogan and sat there and talked with Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. I went on Bill Maher, which was pretty much the belly of the beast. Don't get no. That, that's like, it. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So I'm willing to have the conversation. Also, all of you guys are willing to have the conversation, though, because you guys like a good fight. It's not for me. It's not about the fight, but it is, though. No, nah, let me the, be honest with the, you. The more the more you guys get your names out there. I will say that about the people on the right. They they. They feel segregated uh, intellectually to me a little bit, so they don't mind. 
they willing to play away games. I, I, me personally, I'm willing to play them too. Yeah. But like it, a, a lot of times, people on the left of the situation aren't willing to do that as much, and it, sometimes it's pussy, or not, not pussy. I don't want to take that out. Okay? A, a bit disingenuous. Yeah. Like so. So and so for me, all I'm saying is. What I would like to see, and now let's transition. Now yeah. that we flogged the NRA long enough, <laughs> well, like, 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 what I would, what I, what I would like to see, is a balanced and substantive conversation about American gun ownership. And, okay. th- and there are three reasons why I want to see that. Mm-hmm. Number one, I want to know, as a gun enthusiast, I want to know how to make sure that there's a responsible future for gun ownership. Um, I'm outraged by mass shootings and mm-hmm. would like to know actual steps that we can take to make mm-hmm. sure that they happen less, whatever those steps may be. Okay. If those steps involve uh, limiting access to some firearms, if those steps involve uh, fixing nicks, if those, mm-hmm. like, if, those, if those steps involve whatever they are, fuck the politics of it. Mm-hmm. Let's just get to the meat of what's going to ha- make these things happen. Even if they're not happening as much, they're just fewer than they are. And then number three, for black Americans. Mm-hmm. Black Americans who are still being convicted on gun charges at disproportionate rates. Black Americans who are, I watch these videos of guys with these Dracos and they can't shoot. And what happens is, even if you're using a gun for protection, if you pull something out and start busting and you can't shoot, your the, liability. the assailant doesn't catch yeah. the bullet. Some little girl Does. trying to buy something inside of the, the convenience store catches the bullet. Mm-hmm. So there are a bunch of different reasons why I would like to see this. How do we do that? How do we have that conversation without you representing the NRA, without me representing the left, without the Parkland kids representing mm-hmm. the gun control lobby, without the NRA representing Mossberg, Smith & Wesson, and all of those places like that? Like, Well, right now I'm here as Coley on the Wire. I know you are, yeah. but, you're, but like, you're, you're, you're part of the NRA video is sponsored by a gun company, is it not? Yes, Mossberg, which makes total sense. Okay, I get it. <laughs> like, it, it, wouldn't it be weird, though, if... I was doing, uh, if I was educating people on the uh, tobacco and it was sponsored by Winston-Salem. Well, that's because you inherently attributed level of nefariousness to the tobacco company. If I was... uh, Tobacco company's not going to report, the tobacco company's not going to pay for anything that said something negative about them. Uh, Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, my point is, how do we do it? How do we just like like forget about that? Like, mm-hmm. like you like Smith and Wesson. Like, how do we do it? What do you think has to happen? I'm so, I'm so sponsored by Mossberg. Oh, Mossberg. Mossberg. Yeah, they make one hell of a fucking shotgun. <laughs> and if you want to know how good of a shotgun Mossberg makes, Watch come into my fucking living room. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And I'll show you. I'm not fucking around with y'all, motherfuckers. Um, uh, 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 I'm not sponsored by them, though. So, <laughs> um, but but how do we how, how do we do it? What do you think yeah. needs to happen? Floor's yours. Um, I think conversations like this, mm-hmm. first of all, and I think there, I think we're beginning to see the genesis of that. Um, like me being invited on the Bill Maher show alone for me on a personal level, notwithstanding the sense of narcissism involved in me being the one that was invited onto the show. Okay, I feel you. Yeah, but conversations like that normally weren't, weren't happening. That wasn't happening. Everybody was in their own little corners, right? It was like the, the liberal anti-gunners were telling their liberal anti-gun followers this, the pro-gun conservative uh, and their followers were telling their followers this, and then it was just like, we just throw shit at each other and then we try to embarrass each other, mm-hmm. right? I've never really been, I always try to be completely, 
like correct when I say this. I've never really tried to have a conversation to the point where I was like, ha, gotcha. You look stupid now, right? Mm. I'm not trying to own people, right? right? Because my job, the way I look at it, I, I want to be a converter. When I'm talking to you, I'm telling you, my agenda is I'm trying to convert you over to the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. I'm not hiding that at all. Now, I'm willing to have the honest conversation. If you make a good point, and I'm, I'll say, I, I disagree with that, but I can see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm wrong, I'm like, damn, I didn't even think about it like that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's the conversations that I've always wanted to have and largely have tried to have. However, you can only do that so much on, you know, on a certain platform. If it's not going mainstream where the vast majority of people are consuming the content, no one's ever going to see it. And so, therefore, it's no longer a public discussion. It's no longer a national discussion. It's preaching to your choir and your echo chamber. Exactly. And so, we never get anywhere by doing that. And so, as a result of that, the conversations like you and I are having right now is another step towards that, right? Mm -hmm. And then, hopefully, people watch this and then say, you know what? Those two had... those two had a damn good conversation. Um, they agree on some things and they don't agree on others. But shit, they had a conversation and they moved stuff. They moved something forward. And then you'll maybe get more people to come on the show who think like me mm-hmm. to have that conversation with you. And then vice versa. Mm-hmm. You'll be invited onto other platforms that are pro-gun because you are liberal, but then pro-gun. Mm-hmm. You're more of an anomaly now than I am. Right? Oh, yeah. Because, yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? You're, hey. you're black, liberal. Like admittedly liberal, mm-hmm. almost rapidly liberal, psychotically not playing. I, um. I, I, mean, you know, I mean, I'm 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 all the way over there. It, yeah. This is like when I point to issues, like this is this is when I'm from South Louisiana. But see, here's the thing: yeah. some people would try to strip you of your liberalness mm-hmm. purely based on your stance on the firearm issue. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. There's some people on who are su- supposedly on my side who think I'm not conservative enough because of some of my other stances yeah. on other issues, sure. right? And so that to me is why when, at the beginning of the conversation where I said that's, that's for me sort of the problem with our country right now, mm-hmm. right? If you don't fit neatly into a box, I can't mess with you if, I'm on, if I fit neatly in that box. I'm not saying that you can't, like, have a foot outside of it, have a couple hands, or you maybe fit completely in the box. Mm-hmm. The fact that we use that to prevent dialogue and discussion, I think it, it's, it's, it's malpractice on this country. Mm-hmm. What do you want people to know about the importance of the Second Amendment? You don't have freedom if you can't protect yourself. You don't have freedom if you don't have an ability to effectively check your government. And I use the word effectively because there are a lot of people who come and say, oh, you think you're going to do with your little handguns? You're going to fight the government? They got nukes, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think they talk like that, but whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but... It, it, it may not even necessarily be the ability to outright beat the government, but we can make it so costly they don't try. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so from that perspective, you don't truly have freedom if you can't do that. There's a reason why uh, Harriet Tubman, when she was leading people into freedom, she had a gun with her when she did it. Right. You know what I mean? Like uh, Blacks, we have a history through, throughout the history of this country where we've utilized the Second Amendment, even though we may not have been allowed to legally exercise it. We weren't legally exercised to, ex- to fucking read. So, exactly. Yeah. But yet we utilize it on a very, because we understand on a fundamental level what that means, mm-hmm. right? You can't protect yourself. You, you're not free. Because anybody can come in and dominate you at any point. And so, sure, you may get into a fight with somebody and they may beat you, but at least you have the ability to effectively challenge it. Mm-hmm. And, that's all, and that's all we're asking. Right. Right. And so, of course, then the conversation turns to the total nuances of, okay, well, to what degree can we limit and have reasonable, uh, reasonable laws against... You have, a, you against have an issue with, com- with, the, with the term common sense gun control. By the way, shout out to Maj Torre. And the reason why I'll say that mm-hmm. is because me and Maj did this same conversation about a year ago. And also shout out to Maj for getting on the phone 
and fucking yelling at me whenever whenever I don't like something that he posts on Instagram. Nigga, I'm not going to like all the shit. All right? You go to CPAC, and you with some of these people, I'm not going to like it. You my man, but damn it, I don't fuck with Donald Trump Jr. Now, do your work. Everybody go out right now, donate to, to, to Black Guns Matter. My story is in communities all the time, <laughs> educating people on the gun laws and showing people how to use their guns. That being said, fuck Donald Trump Jr. Now, um, uh, your problem with common sense gun control. What does that mean? Uh, what does it mean when you hear it? Because I know what it means I, to me. When I hear it, I hear an oversimplification of a very inherently complex issue. Unpack that for us. All right. So common sense. Let's say background checks, right? Mm -hmm. be, I, I'm always like, be cautious of anybody who overuses euphemisms to describe something that's complex. Mm -hmm. There's nothing simple about the issue of firearms. Right. It just isn't. Right. Um, so, well, it's simple to you guys. Ooh. You guys you guys are simple explanations. You should probably be able to buy any gun you want whenever you want. That's pretty simple. I don't think anybody ever said that. Well, I mean, it seems, though, that the complexity of the issue is actually being, if I'm just being fair, mm -hmm. is being taken out of it by the pro-2A community because mm -hmm. you guys are just saying, we want all of our guns. And the other side of saying, uh, uh, I'm, listen, I'm not saying what the other side is saying because there are definitely other people that are saying, we don't fucking need any guns. But what I'm saying is, like, that argument of just leave our guns alone mm -hmm. seems like the simplest one. It seems like there should be uh, some discussion as to how we, because there is with everything else. Well, here's the thing. We mm -hmm. have, t on the federal level, we have over 300-some-odd gun laws. You feel like that's enough? On the local level, we have 22,000-some-odd right. gun laws. Mm -hmm. We're past the point of common sense. Is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So, common sense. Let's say, for instance, universal background checks. Mm -hmm. Right? Universal background checks on its face seems fine. I don't think anybody has a problem inherently with the simple concept of background checks. Sure. Right? As long as that system is not then designed to or can easily be used to further limit other people's rights. Explain. So, the only way you can enforce a universal background check, which is basically a requirement that even on private sales, like me selling a gun to you, mm -hmm. right, that that would require a background check. Now, if I'm a cop and I see you with a firearm and, I, and I'm like, hmm, did you get a background check for that gun that you have? And you say, yeah. How would the cop be able to determine whether or not you had a background check for that gun? They can't. They can't. There's one possible way. Mm a universal database, a national registry of all firearms and all the owners of said firearms mm -hmm. with the transactional history of every single firearm, right? right? The problem, I, and so then you hear people say, okay, then what's the problem with having a national registry? Well, the problem I have with the national registry, one, is even with the national registry, it won't stop anything. Right. Even with the universal background check, it won't stop anything. Because what won't it stop when you say anything? The, the ability for criminals to get their hands on firearms. Right. They're getting them on the black market anyway, right. right? So criminal A doesn't care that there's a universal background check required for him to sell the gun that he stole and he's about to sell illegally to another felon. Yeah. It, 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 that's but a brick on a house of, of laws he's already breaking, mm -hmm. right? So that doesn't, that, that doesn't do anything. That would be a different conversation if you can, if, yeah, a universal background check would effectively stop 60 to 70% of all, uh, all criminals' ability to get firearms. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't even. I would. I would argue it doesn't even do it to a five, five percent, two percent level. What, what, what metric are you basing that on? On just logic. But see, we can't. But we can't. We can't. 
you're, you're, what you're doing now, the, the problem with that is, mm -hmm. do we have a universal background check? No, not Okay, so then we don't really know mm. what we like. We don't really know if your logic tells you that, right? Mm. And this is this is the 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 interesting part of the argument. Your logic tells you that somebody else's logic tells them if we had a universal background check, so many of these things would be tougher to get. Yeah, but you just answered the question when I asked you, how do you enforce it when you have a gun and a cop asks you where did he get it from? Did you get a background check? Yeah, but I mean, like, that's no just way. my surface knowledge of the uh, of the issue. There might be other people sitting in this chair that might have all kinds of answers for that. But yeah, me, but, but my surface knowledge of mm -hmm. the issue says right uh, says, says right now that on site you couldn't do it. But my point, my, 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 my I guess the reason why I'm trying to get through to that is mm -hmm. I understand that you don't believe in it. Um, I understand... Is there any form of societal responsibility mm -hmm. that we bear when it comes to guns? Yes. Which is what? Learning to use your guns uh, responsibly, mm -hmm. learning to use them effectively. Right. Um, That's it. Other I, than that, everyone should be able to have any gun they want, how many ever guns they want, whenever they want, however they want. Uh, when you say any guns, what are you talking about? Cause like, then, do you believe in... Do you, okay, wait, wait, wait. Now, well, as far as guns are concerned, me personally? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so fully autos? Yeah. So fully, Me personally, yes. So a fully automatic gun? Yeah. Why would you want a fully automatic gun? Uh, I want a fully automatic... To be honest with you? Yeah. Fully automatic guns, to me, don't really bore, bear any true utility other than a sense of enjoyment when I go to the range. It's fun to shoot. Yes. I'm not going to lie about that. Yes. I've shot in a fully automatic gun before. Mm -hmm. It's fucking fun yeah. after you learn how to shoot that bitch. Now, now, Don't believe in the movies, guys. You got to learn how to shoot these rifles. You'll get fucked up. But now, let's go to a darker side that a lot of people don't want to go to. Mm -hmm. Our military utilizes fully automatic weapons. To protect us. Yes. At the same time, the Second Amendment, which is put in place for us to check against a, a potential tyrannical government foreign mm -hmm. or domestic. Right. Right. Why not then put those people in the same position to fight off the set people who are going to have the same type of guns? See, here's the thing with that argument, though. The thing with that argument is, is that you guys are so pro-law enforcement. At the same time, there seems to be some type of situation or some type of, of message that these guns are to fight people. Because the reality pro is... People are pro-law enforcement up until the point they become tyrannical. Okay. Well, there are some people that would say we're almost there. Like when you when you okay. see when you when you see situations like that. Mm -hmm. But nobody on the right and nobody in RA is going to advocate for busting out with the cops. You know, it, it's just that's just not going to happen. If the cops are being tyrannical, hmm. then that conversation would completely change. Okay. So, moving off that, mm -hmm. what do you think then? So, if you're for, um, how do you make your point? To someone, let's say for me, I don't think mm. that you need a fully automatic gun. Yeah. I like shoot. I, I can go out and have a good, a good time shooting different guns and doing this. I don't need a mass human I, killer. I can make. <laughs> see, that's a problem. Well, I'm not gonna say it's a problem. A fully automatic not, gun is, 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 is to do as much possible damage as you can. No, it's not. What is it for? Tactically speaking, um, and this is I've never been in the military. I'm not law enforcement. This is conversations that I've had with people who have been. Sure. Right? Um, because I'm never going to assume that I know what I don't know. Okay. From what I've learned from them and my experiences shooting fully automatic weapons, mm -hmm. it's utilized as a way to keep people's heads down, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's an inherent inaccuracy whenever you're shooting full auto. Right. Because right? they're hard to keep Because you control can't control. Exactly. Like I said, don't believe the movies. Right. Yeah. However, whenever you 
are, say, for instance, at war, or you're dealing with uh, uh, opposition that's consistent of a number of people, right? And you want to lay down a volume of fire so that they can not shoot at you while you need to do something like advance forward. Yeah, or lay down cover fire for someone. Somebody who's trying to retreat back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something of that sense. So that is inherently not an insultive purpose. Mm -hmm. It's almost a defensive purpose, Mm -hmm. right? It can be used for defense, but it can also be used to kill as many motherfuckers as possible. Same same thing can be said as a war truck. Yeah. Right? Colin, Colin, come on. Dude, they killed. Colin, I know. Dude killed 80 people in these with a truck. I know. He, he set it up, and, so, and, that, and that's another point I want to make about mass shootings. I know I'm kind of bouncing all over the place. We're talking um, about. A lot of people like to attribute the weapon used for the level of lethality in a lot of these mass shootings. It's not so much the type of weapon used, but the context of the situation, right? The reason why he was able to kill so many people with a truck in Nice is because he, he found a cluster of where it could cl- move exactly yeah. right so you can bob and weave all day long trucks barreling through because it creates such a wide a wide lane of destruction yeah, yeah. there's nothing you can do about it yeah so for instance one of our top and what people don't like to realize what people don't talk about is take virginia tech for instance yeah two nines two nines and a 22 yeah and he killed 36 people yeah not because those guns are so deadly, mm-hmm. but because he chained the doors to the school right. and he trapped the people and those kids in the classrooms. And he had and he basically shooting. I'm not going to relegate them to fishes in a barrel, but essentially from a, from an analogy standpoint, that's essentially what he had. Yeah. And so it was the conditions of that shoot that made him so lethal. Mm-hmm. Not so much the fact that he had a, a gun, because like we said, he had a nine millimeter. Yeah. People carry that all day long. Yeah. And no one's gonna contest the ability to carry a nine millimeter, right? right? right. And so that's part, of the th- that's part of the discussions that we never really get to. The fact that I even got to that part of the discussion with you here, mm-hmm. to me, I'm almost excited. Because <laughs> I've never been able to get to that point sure. because we're always talking about some other nonsense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so, uh, well, going back to where we were, where we, I, I know I kind of jumped around. Where we, that's fine. But, that it's to me, when we talk about the type of weapon that we're allowed to own, I think it's almost slightly irrelevant. Hmm. I do, especially when we're talking about guns, right? So the, the, the case for full auto, right? If I could have full auto, I would have it. All right. Because I just, to be honest with you, I, I think it's actually, here's the deal. I don't think that, I think that there are problems in policing all over the country. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think there are there there's definitely communities like the one I grew up in, not in Sugarland where y'all got them super nice ass houses. But the like the Hey, I was in A Leaf too. Oh, I feel you. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. <laughs> hey, keep it gangster. No, nah, but yeah, um, Sugar yeah. Sugarland's Sugar an Sugar awesome nice. Sugar Sugarland's fucking nice. Um uh and I grew up part of my life in Zachary too, which is yeah. also very nice. But and the, it, there's definitely problems in policing, definitely problems with um uh with the the criminalization of young black males and I think the way cops police we need to take a look at that and have an overhaul of that nationwide I think which it, which was another problem that I have right but let, about, let, let, go let ahead my real quick yeah however if they're fully automatic weapons floating around on the street mm-hmm. like that's a problem for the police to me like that's that like that's a if if well any criminal with a gun is a problem with the it's a problem for the police. Well, all, but there's there's a difference. Is I I don't I don't I think it's disingenuous to act like there's there's not guns that are inherently more lethal than other. Oh guns. no 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 no! Don't get it twisted. Like I tell people all the time, like uh, what we like to do. Like that Mossberg that I was talking about, people mm-hmm. coming. The reason why that's great for home protection is because when you walk in my living room, I don't have to be a surgeon with that to make my point to you. See, and that's you just brought up a spectacular point. Yeah, is choice and tactics because that's what we're talking about now. Right. I I stay in a townhome, uh, three floors, 
I have a gun and a rifle on kind every of a single flex one. right there. We know but, you're doing good. No, man. no, bro. It's just yeah, a like, like, Yeah, no, but, no but we, we the, know the you're point, doing good. The point that I'm making, the yeah, point that yeah. I'm making is. <laughs> that was a weird flex. A combo flex, a combo flex right there. So, <laughs> Nigga, I stay in the town hall. Three stories, 60 inch, every single fucking room, gold plated AK 47 in every fucking bathroom. Fuck with me, Smith and Wesson, nigga. Like, <laughs> I hate you, dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point I'm getting at is this: I don't utilize a shotgun on any of those on, uh, for any of my home defense setups. Why? Because I prefer an AR-15. Mm. I because I I'm more familiar. I'm familiar with the AR-15. I feel like I'm in a better position to defend my home with an AR-15. Interesting. Now I'm not saying you using utilizing a shotgun is wrong, mm -hmm. because that may be the platform of choice for you. Yeah. Right. So the gun so, is the, the 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 first gun I started handling. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so my favorite platform is the AR-15. I'm comfortable with it. I, you put that in my hands. It's like it's it's like with putting a pencil in my hand. Mm -hmm. And so I'm gonna go to the gun that I'm most comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people get stuck on this conversation of you can't own this gun. You should use this gun. All you need is like Joe Biden. Just get a shotgun. Just get a shotgun. I don't want a shotgun for home defense. Mm -hmm. I don't. You get limited round capacity. Um, and as far as maneuverability and so forth, and, and funny thing is complexity, mm -hmm. with especially when you're talking about a pump, I don't want it, right? And so, you do. You live in a townhome? N on no, I live in a trap house. Shut up. <laughs> aren't, aren't your AR bullets going to go through the walls and kill your neighbors? See, but th again, my townhome, see, see, see you, you, you trapped me into a weird flex again. Oh. My townhome is, is built with brick. Oh! <laughs> Yo, hey, just let y'all just let y'all know. Yeah, it's not gonna happen to me because my townhome is vibranium coated. That'll never happen to me. My townhome is vibranium coated. Like it's got the whole shit on it. It's bullets oh, is gonna God. boom and they're gonna spread out and that's it. So it's the, my uh, neighbors are straight, man. I can't deal with you right now. No, <laughs> but no, but so right. so the way my situation is set up. Mm -hmm. See the way my house is set up. Yeah, right. Fine, yeah, fine. Um. I have it set up in such a way that wherever I end up having to shoot from, my backstop is that brick, so I don't have to worry about pen over penetration. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I lived in a, when I lived in a, a, an apartment, for instance, I had to consider those things because I didn't I didn't have the benefit of of having something that was surrounded by brick, so I had to think about. It. So I actually utilize handguns more, mm -hmm. right? Or in the case of you. A shotgun would probably be better in that situation. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Or let's say somebody who lives out in the middle of nowhere or who lives out where there's more land to cover. Mm -hmm. He's going to be, he's probably going to utilize a rifle because you can reach out and touch stuff at a longer distance. Right. Every situation calls for a different tool, mm -hmm. right? This is the case with almost everything in life. And for a lot of us in the gun industry, that's how we look at the firearm. It is a tool, mm -hmm. right? The same way that you can look at a car. I'm a car enthusiast. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with cars, even more so than guns. Right. But I also understand that cars can be deadly and be utilized to commit mass carnage. Mm -hmm. uh, but even still, sometimes if, if somebody wants to go for a drive on a Sunday, he's going to choose a different car to do it, right? right? And that's how we kind of look at firearms. And so the, the concept and the notion of we're going to ban this certain type of gun because it's seemingly more lethal. Yes, I think the AR-15 does a better job at killing intruders than, say, your shotgun does. Right. Or I'm more lethal with my AR-15 than I would be with a shotgun. If you watch any of my videos, I'm not the most proficient person with a shotgun, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I agree with you. Yeah. Like there are certain levels, there are levels to this with respect to different types of guns. Yes, you're yeah. right. Yeah. But none of them exceedingly so that they weren't being banned outright. Hmm. They just don't. Hmm. Because again, it goes back to the notion of the reason why a lot of these people are lethal. Let's take, let's take um, what happened in uh, Connecticut. 
He walked into a kinder, it was a kindergarten school. Yeah. He was shooting at kids. Yeah. He could have created the same level of carnage with the handgun. Yeah. And as disgusting it is to talk about that, that's what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the situation. It's not so much the gun he used, but he went and found the softest target he could possibly find. So you're on record right now saying that you don't feel like there's any one gun that makes it easier to kill um, like a mass number. Like my, like I have a 20 gauge. Mm-hmm. My 12 gauge is more, I don't know why I have a 20 gauge in LA, don't ask me why. Well, I have, I have a 20 gauge, because uh, mm. we only shoot birds with those in Louisiana. My 12 gauge is more lethal than my 20 gauge. Yeah, the same way my, 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 uh, my gun that I make, that I have, mm-hmm. is gonna be more lethal than say a 22. So is there a level of lethality mm-hmm. that we should keep an eye on then? Like, is, like in, in, terms of, in terms of guns, at least maybe if we're talking about, and this is where compromise comes into uh-huh. consideration. Maybe not universal background checks on all weapons. Maybe universal background checks on just some of the more lethal weapons. See, and the thing about that, and the funny thing is to a degree they exist, right? Mm-hmm. That, that does exist. They exist when it comes to fully automatic weapons. Well, right? yeah. Well, because you, there's only, you can only grandfather in a fully automatic weapon. Well, right? the post, post-80s. Post-80s. Any, 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 anything past, I think it's like 86. 85 85 like six, that, yeah. yeah. Then the, you can't own those. You can't, yeah. Yes, but anything prior to that, you can. But however... It's it's such a rigorous like it's it's not only are they prohibitively expensive, dumbass expensive. Yeah. Don't I like like <laughs> dumbass expensive, like really expensive. Yeah, the set of rules, the regulations that you have to undergo in order to to, to acquire them mm-hmm. are exhaustive. Right. So, and they're almost inherently kind of de facto illegal as well. Right. Right. Of that, yeah. yeah. So, to your point, right now they have what they want. Because if we're going to... You gonna, don't think if, the AR should be... Absolutely it, it, not. Hmm. Absolutely not. I won't even hesitate on that. I push Miles yeah. on this, too. Yeah. And you, don't, you guys don't think the AR... No. Because let's think about it. If, if we could understand, and you agree to this, not everybody else, but if you can understand that it's the conditions in which a lot of... Because usually when we talk about the idea of banning AR, they're not using ARs in the hood. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the vast majority of our gun Some deaths guys come got from. them, though. Yeah, but that's not where the vast majority of our gun deaths come from. They come from handguns. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so... When we're talking about banning AR-15s, we're we're talking about banning AR-15s because a bunch of white kids in the suburbs got killed in school. Yeah. Right. Even then, if we understand that the context in which those kids were able to be killed was because of the situation, not so much the gun used, because he could you could place any gun and he'd have done I the same agree damage. I the situation plays a part, but I also yes. do think that the firearm plays a part as well. You, I'm not I'm, I'm not going to be so disingenuous as to say it doesn't absolutely play a part, right? Mm-hmm. However, I still think the level of lethality the difference is gonna be marginal mm-hmm. when you have the right situations. And each of those situations have always been right in the worst way possible, mm-hmm. right? And, they, and, and they, which goes to our, our next point when it comes to talking about gun control. We always talk about doing something from the Second Amendment standpoint and from the degree of limitation. That's the problem that we have in the gun, in the, in the gun community is this idea that anytime we talk about doing something, we always have to give up something. We always have to make something more restrictive. Mm-hmm. But then when we, in turn, come up with our own propositions. Which pe- is what? Get rid of gun-free zones. Get rid of them. If you're going to have a building, right, or place where you're not going to control the entry and exit of the people coming into the building and have a means by which to, to, to determine who has a gun and who doesn't, allow me to bring my gun that I have legally mm-hmm. and allow me to carry that into that building. See, because the reason why people have bucket that because it seems like you guys' prescription to the to the to the disease is always more guns. And then the reason why they have a problem with the idea of the notion of more guns is because they inherently attribute a, a, a level of, of evilness to firearms in general. They're not evil, but they are dangerous. But, but, 
everything can be dangerous. Can Cars be. are dangerous. Right. Right? And everybody hates the car analogy, but it's the most relevant analogy. Yeah, but cars are made to transport people from point A to point B. And it's also not protected under the Constitution. The guns are made to mm-hmm. injure, maim, and kill living things. And they're also utilized for sport. They're utilized for recreation. Don't tell me. Hunting. I love to yeah, shoot but, for fun. But, 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 and they're also utilized for self-defense. I know, but the point, and, of, the gun as, the point of the gun as defined in mm-hmm. the Second Amendment is for a violent conflict, right? The right to bear arms, you guys say, is for the from expressive... A, from a defensive nature. From a de, from, it's, from a, it's for a defensive nature. Mm-hmm. It's for a nature of... So if, so if there was a foreign entity that was trying to take over the U.S. and they were using bow and arrows, they want us to have guns in order to defend against that. Yeah, that's... If they were throwing rocks... They I, I know, <laughs> but like, you know, they're the not going to... What I'm saying is... What I'm saying is... Yeah, right. That's it's the most... Of, of a, it's... Though it can, though it is utilized as as a very very effective means at killing people illegally, it's also just as effective defending yourself against somebody trying to kill people. Illegally. Sure. So so I think that the conversation has to start. Okay. It, what what is your prescription to ending? Like, we're gonna get. I'm gonna ask you this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Specifically, to black people. What's your prescription to ending mass shootings in America? Okay. So. If we're going to take this from a logical standpoint, remove the emotions from it, right? Because mm-hmm. I always talk about there's a certain level of theatrics about a firearm that are inherently scary. They're loud, the, the concussion, mm-hmm. you know, all that, right? So people are inherently afraid people of People run it. when they hear it. Exactly. Yeah. So people are naturally going to be hyper-focused on the gun, right? Mm-hmm. Get, make, make, find a way to, to, to get rid of the gun, mm-hmm. right, so they don't have it. However, I say we need to take a more holistic approach because we only talk about it by, through the lens of how do we restrict the gun, right? If we notice the vast majority, almost to a sickening level of shootings that are mass shootings happen in places that are gun free zones, hmm. which is why a lot of people in the gun community are like, we'll get rid of gun free zones. Because like the guy in Aurora who shot the movie theater, mm-hmm. he drove around looking for movie theaters that did not allow people to carry firearms. Mm-hmm. Connecticut, he went, he wanted to amass, he said he wanted to amass the, the most killings he possibly can. So he went to the place that was the softest target, which was the kindergarten school, right? We've got to either fortify the places that are considered soft spots. So you don't, there's an MO to all of these killers. They're trying to kill as many people as possible. And when you go into a place where other people have guns, there's a reason why they don't go into gun shows and try to kill people at gun shows. Because mm-hmm. everybody has guns. Right. So if we understand that, why are we not, making attempts to fortify the places that we know are targets, hmm. right? And that's why we talk about arming teachers in school, right? Or providing, or, or having armed security in places of, like in schools. We teachers, do it in the hood. Teachers with guns. Teachers or some or someone of some type of responsibility that has guns. Now, now keep what, on, kind, hold of, on. what I, kind of strain does that put on a teacher, not only to educate no one, the child, no but also to... Pre- Go ahead, my bad. But like, what kind of like the, you 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 can't believe that that's a reasonable alternative. To okay, a so with a gun. I need to clarify this because I made the statement when I was on um, Bill Maher, and I was like, "Oh my God, you want?" I'm not. Oh my God, no, you no, 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 saying, no. Well, yeah. no, yeah. I'm not saying you're guilty of it, yeah. but I can see where it's going to go. Well, I'm not saying we force teachers to be armed. What I'm saying is, if there's a teacher, because I get those phone calls, I've got them from female teachers who are like, "I want to learn how to." carry and shoot a firearm so that I can carry with me to school mm-hmm. because I don't want to be one of those teachers that has to sacrifice themselves and that was the only option they have to protect their students because the students still died anyway, mm-hmm. right? Why, if, if there's a teacher who's willing to undergo a curriculum designed for teachers who carry guns in schools, why not let them? 
Okay. What happens the first time, and I'll tell you my problem with mm-hmm. that. What happens the first time Jamal with the dreads and the gold teeth is in class mm-hmm. and he's fighting with someone and the teacher gets in there, they got a gun on them, Jamal's fighting, they're scared, Jamal turns around, yells at the teacher or something like that, blam, 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 blam. Mm-hmm. And teachers have guns. I, to me, right now, I don't, I've seen videos of young black men being picked up slammed down while they're already handcuffed in schools. I've seen videos of kids being jacked up by their teachers. I think spreading guns out to all of those situations and putting guns into the hands of people like that, teachers and situations, I think you're going to end up with dead students coming from shoots on teachers. But apparently we're already dealing with dead students because apparently there are all these mass shootings happening in schools. Well, they're so, happening more than they used to happen. Yeah, so, so the question is, are they happening enough to warrant that level of fortification, so to speak, or mm-hmm. arming, so to speak? Or they don't. They're either happening to such a degree that we've got to do something, right? And maybe to the risk of it. And look. Listen, I, I, when you say you got to do something, if you're telling me that you're going to put a fucking ex-Marine or somebody outside the school or even a police officer or someone who, whatever. But if you're telling me that that you're going to start giving so, so teachers be, with guns but, to be in the fucking but, social but my, class, I, that, that's, that's, but to me, that's a little, that's, that's too far. Okay. My overarching premise of this is I just want to fortify the school, right? I want to have someone there in place with the ability to confront someone who comes with a gun. Hmm. Whether that is a teacher, whether that is a, a ex-Marine, ex-Navy SEAL, hmm. a security guard, what have you. I'm all for that. I'm also not against the idea of allowing a teacher to be armed. Now, we can talk about the specifics of that. Sure. And I get, I get your, your, your point of concern. Mm-hmm. However, okay, if it's not the teacher, then let's talk about armed guards. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to go down that list. Yeah, yeah. I just want somebody there armed. Right. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Because I understand that. The only way to stop a bad guy with a gun in the moment is another good guy with a gun. Unless he's black. No. <laughs> I'm just I'm fucking with you. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking with you. All right. So, so um, black people and guns. Mm-hmm. Why is it? I think I asked you. To you, what do you want to see happen specifically with our community and gun ownership? Embrace the Second Amendment to 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 infinite degree. Period. It's you can't you can't in one breath say, oh, the media colors black men to be criminals and bad guys and, and hyper masculine. Uh, uh, what, what have you? What, what you call them? Super predators, so yeah. to speak. Right. Yeah. But then you have a movement of educated, responsible, high profile black men. Who are the faces of certain gun movements? I'm not just talking about myself. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of them in the community. Sure. Why are we not then taking the effort to bolster that those those people as an example? Because think about it. The the white boys have had guns in their communities since birth. And I include you in that. Because mm-hmm. you underwent the same type of culture that they do with respect to firearms. Sure. Right? So if we understand that there is a image problem with the black men in this country with respect to the utilization of firearms. Why not then embrace and prop up the men who are doing it the right way? Hmm. Who's, whose job is it to embrace and prop up those guys? Our community. Right. Period. So what would you, what would you like to see the engagement happen? Anywhere it can. Whether that be, whether that be in movies, where, all the media outlets that are there. Whether, why, like, for instance, there was, 
are there are a ton of platforms that won't even have me on. Like what? Right? Call them out. No, I'm not calling nobody out. <laughs> uh, but but that's because of the, but you understand that that's because of the politics of the NRA exactly yeah. right but what difference does it make I'm coming on here as a black man I'm coming on here as Coleon Noir mm -hmm. sure I may be affiliated affiliated with the NRA but I still represent a positive imagery of what a black man with a gun is mm. you can't deny that you can't take that away from me I can understand I can understand if I was out here running around just popping pop shit off yeah yeah but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not selling drugs. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gang banging. Right. I'm about as educatedly lame as they come. Mm. Right. So what's I don't. What's the problem? Mm. Right. We we can sit here and have a cold conversation, not mention the NRA once. We could talk about gun rights all day long. Yeah. Fine. If you want me to come on your show, don't even mention the NRA. Cool. Right. Right. But that won't even happen. And right. it didn't even have to be me. Right. Get and anybody. I, and make it. Make it Maj. Make it. Make it Kevin Dixie. Make it Kent. Make it anyone. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But just have a conversation and, and prop up that image because right now that's what we're doing. We're battling an image. Like you can't, that there's a reason to a degree why certain people have the perspective of black men that they do. Mm -hmm. It's because we're always propping up the negative imagery or we're allowing it to be, that narrative to be basically dictated to us. A lot of work that we need to do in our community. Do you guys think that it would be advantageous? And I know that there are mm -hmm. certain that there's several out there, but on a mass scale to embrace organizations that prop up black gun ownership that are run by, funded by, mm -hmm. and headed by black people. I don't have a problem with that. So I've, 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 I've had them on my show. I, I know. I know. No, I, 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 I know. Yeah. I think a lot of that. So if if. It, and we're not going to talk about presidential politics because mm -hmm. we already talked about it and this is going to derail the whole argument. But but if 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 the NRA is with certain people and the, and black Americans believe that these people are their enemies, how will they ever digest the, the situation? I'm for what I'm for is this. I'm for black ownership of anything that benefits and is processed. Anything I can't say it either, bro. So I, I, I hate that fucking <laughs> word, bro. Anything that benefits and is preaching to black people, I just need, whether they be conservative, liberal, whatever, I just want black people at the head of those organizations because that way I can be, I can rest at night knowing that black people are, that their interests are being served. So then, st so then tell our black politicians to stop pushing this anti-gun nonsense. Because that's that's part of the problem, too. We get we get these black politicians are supposed to be leaders of our communities and they're the main ones out there pushing this anti-gun agenda mm. and then not realizing that they're also in turn fortifying this imagery of this negative stereotype of black men. Like like you should as a, as a politician, if you're a black politician, you should be looking for those people. You say you're a politician, you say you stand for the Constitution. So do that. Mm. If you if you're supposed to represent your people. Take up to take up the reins find the people in the community who are doing those things and push that narrative mm. Instead of instead of joining these little wazoo organizations like moms and non's demand actions or or uh, Cor Booker who once touted the idea of being part of mayors against illegal guns. That's bullshit. Mm. It's bullshit, man Cory Bo like, Booker is a gun owner That don't surprise me in the slightest But the, but 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 the, rea the reality is that there there are levels to this shit. There are levels to this shit But you have to understand I like a lot of this is nothing more than an anti-gun agenda because if you think about it the, There's no stopping the ultimate goal is to ban them anyone who's talking about banning anything. That's your ultimate goal. Just say that 
because if the if if but see, the, but see, I, I believe in some measure of gun control, and I really don't want guns banned. So even that right mm-hmm. there is a generalization. I believe. In, or let me say, I'm open to some part of gun control, but I don't want guns banned. Yeah, but see, here's the thing, though. If 80%, 80% of the gun violence in this country is done with handguns, mm-hmm. and you're saying, oh, we just want to save lives. If, if that's your true ideology, you're not anti-gun, mm-hmm. you just want to save lives. You won't be talking about AR-15s. Because they account for less than 2% of gun deaths in this country. Yeah. In the country. Yeah. Right? But some of the most horrific examples. You know how that goes. In, uh, yeah, in, in terms of optics. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? But it, are they really the most horrific examples? When on, on any given weekend, you can have how many people killed, shot, and killed in places like Chicago that have gone ignored for decades? Mm-hmm. That level of violence has been ignored for decades. Let me ask you this. I, there's... The gun deaths in New York are down. Mm-hmm. Draconian gun laws. Yeah, the gun deaths in the country are down. I know. As a whole. So do you think that there's any correlation between the number of gun deaths being down in New York mm-hmm. and the fact that they have such strict gun laws? No, and here's why. So you, you can say right off that there's zero correlation to that. I can't prove it. I'll say that. I'll say that mm-hmm. with, with the asterisks. I can't prove it statistically mm-hmm. right now. Take that, do with that what you will. Sure. However, what I, what I do know is the vast majority of our gun violence comes from our inner cities. Mm-hmm. What, that, what I'm not saying is that inherently black people are violent. That's not what I'm saying. Do you what think I'm the saying, people in the NRA that believe that? What? The black people are violent. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to think not. All right. Because they've had me on. They've had to listen to me spill ad nauseum about that. Yeah. But in reality, what you're dealing with is you have a consistency, right? Any of these cities, New York, Chicago, St. Louis, L.A., mm-hmm. all of these places that have this high violence issue. They're not, the violence issue ain't coming out of Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's coming out of very particularized areas that all look the same, that have the same composition of people. Mm-hmm. Why is that? And what's also the same is the economics, right? right? Mm-hmm. So if we're not willing to deal with the socioeconomic issues that are going on in these places, we really don't give a damn about them killing each other. And listen, I'm, a, I'm, I'm with that, but I think that, and I hope everyone can hear my voice on this. I hope everyone can hear my voice on this. I don't care if you're to the left, to the right, if you're a libertarian. When you get in front of your candidates in the next couple of years, ask them, in specifics, not in platitudes, not in, my, not in I'm going to cut taxes, not in we're going to do criminal justice reform. Not All of those things are very, very important. And I say taxes because, one, criminal justice reform because that's on the other side of a, a – a, that's more of a – it used to be a leftist thing. Now it doesn't seem like it is as yeah. much. But, but what I'm saying is ask them specifically on both sides of the aisle how they plan to impact – Communities where black and brown people are. Not in, what is what we're going to do to bring this back? And this is what we'll do. No. How are you specifically going to attack the problems in those communities? And if they don't have substantive answers for those questions, don't fuck with them. I don't care who they are. That's what you have to do to get an agenda. And I'm not just talking about on the Senate level, on the, 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 the national level. level. I'm talking about the state, state level. and local, local level, huh? governments. That's what you have to do. And that has to be done Regardless of party. Last thing I'll ask you. Yeah. If you ask me about R. Kelly, I'm leaving. When, no, not R. Kelly. When you got the vibranium. Chill, bro. When, like, it, it, 
Did you have to go directly to Ulysses Claw? Because I know that Ulysses Claw is definitely pro because his fucking arm wasn't done. Listen, I'm going to say this. We just had what I thought to be a fantastic conversation about the political ramifications, about gun control, about gun control in our communities, about all kinds of things. This man sat right here and gave me a fantastic back and forth. Guys, we have to be willing to do this. When Killer Mike went on to the NRA. And spoke nothing NRA, but facts. NRA TV, we don't even agree. <laughs> NRA TV. When Killer Mike went on there and did that, the backlash that Mike got was unfair. And the reason why I'll say right now publicly that it was unfair was because although I have zero affinity for the NRA, mm -hmm. and I've told you this, yeah. okay, what Mike was doing was talking to a friend of his and a brother of his about something that was passionate to him. We have to allow space to have conversations about the improvement and the advancement of black people, especially when lives are at stake. Yep. Especially when lives are at stake. Now, if someone wants just to come over here and talk some political bullshit to me, like a lot of people that you guys have seen and you guys have asked from the right to come here and talk to me, I haven't really spoken with them because it's just two talking heads going back and forth. But when someone's sitting there and we're talking about things that impact and can have an effect on both young black men being locked up, young black people being shot and killed, we got to have these conversations. Fuck the politics. True story. Now the name of this the name of this podcast right now is going to be Coleon's uh, uh, Vibranium Condo. <laughs> That's the name of this podcast. Coleon's Vibranium Townhouse. Townhouse. Coleon's Vibranium Townhouse. That's the name of it, bro. We don't agree on everything. Yeah. But I'll tell you this: any work that you want to do, educating and talking to black people about their Second Amendment rights, I will do it. I can't promise it. to be down with yeah. the NRA. That's that's a little too much for me. Touche. Touche. I'm not asking you to be down with TMZ. Yes. Um, but what I'm saying is that you seem like a level-headed guy. We've talked. I got no beef with you, dog. Appreciate right. it, brother. No beef with you, bro. Yes, sir. Peace. All right. We done.